Welcome to my Higa podcast, Experience Togetherness, an exclusive podcast in geriatric medicine, geriatric care, geriatric health, healthy aging, and life's simple pleasures. Dear inspirers, dreamers, listeners, carers, discover senior living and celebrate aging with my Higa. We celebrate our elderly and the people behind their smiles. Hello and welcome back to my Higa Experience Togetherness podcast. I would like to welcome Dr. Purnima and introduce today's topic. Hey Shruti, um, thank you for the warm welcome. It feels like home always. Um, hope you have been doing well lately. Um, today's topic is um, something, you know, most people will never talk about. Um, or probably never heard about, or maybe even never expect about. And it's about elderly and sexual health. So here we start. Yes, Dr. Purnima, I am doing really well. Thank you. So um, I would like to start off with a question. What are some key points that everyone forgets when it comes to sexual health amongst the elderly? Great question, uh, Shruti. Um, sexual health is relevant uh, for all ages, um, since sexuality and the healthcare associated with sexual organs is not limited to just middle-aged adults or even teens, but also uh, our elderly. Sexual health is all other health as well, like cardiac health, heart health, brain health, memory health, mental health, Sexual health should not be a mystery anymore. Hopefully, after this podcast episode. This is one of the key points. So here we are with our list of key points on sexual health. Menopause is real, not a myth at all. The symptoms of signs and signs may vary, but overall it does affect a woman, you know, internally and externally. And respecting a woman for that is nothing but being empowered or empowering a woman. Sexuality and intimacy are two completely different important things in our elderly sexual health. Getting checkups or even um, asking questions about sexual health with your provider during checkups, primary care providers or gynecologists during a pap smear uh, is not unusual or rude or crazy or being an extrovert or even not confining to standards, beliefs, cultures, countries or communities or the world perhaps. Because sexual health and sexual care should be available to the elderly as well. All elderly need love, but sexual organ related cancers are still common in the elderly. So screening is necessary. You might want to refer to your country's um, screening protocol on sexually transmitted diseases, um, sexual screening, questionnaires, pap smears, or testing for HPV, herpes, HIV, um, with your local, state, district, county departments. 
Sexually transmitted diseases are not a teen issue, but also for elderly, as more elderly are now dating than never. And uh, with no age barriers. Um, so why should there be when uh, older men date younger women? Now older women are dating younger men as well. And vice versa also. Socializing and promiscuity is also on the rise. Uh, bars are not, not just for young people. Um, these diseases are treatable and should be diagnosed as early as possible. STDs prevention is key and HIV prevention is also key because sometimes HIV, HPV, sexually transmitted diseases, etc., all can happen at the same time because carriers carry multiple infections uh, and they can coexist or the person can, can get infected later on um, or at the same time. Sexual health includes mental health, mood swings, depression, anxiety, lack of libido, and can be related to hormonal imbalances and must be addressed. Hormonal imbalances um, should be screened as well in the elderly, along with simple screening for cancer or infections, uh, because one of them is not just enough for elderly. Elderly sexual health also is an eye-opener for other health conditions. For example, speaking with someone about their sexual health can uh, let us know if they're undernourished. Maybe they're just skinny bones and not eating well, have been doing drugs. Maybe there are drug marks or injection marks or addicted to, health, uh, addicted to alcohol. Maybe they have an enlarged liver uh, or they're addicted to sex because of all these infections that we are finding when we are testing them or even you know going through an abusive relationship or perhaps even financial abuse fractures osteoporosis etc can be directly related to declining hormonal status and yes it's important to fix through surgery or conservative measures or send them to rehabilitation but uh, they also give us an insight into, or, or we call a better history of what else is going on in their home, like housing issues, maybe relationship issues, monetary issues. Uh, can they live by themselves? Do they need to move to a senior living and care? Are they isolated? What can they afford in terms of health care or personal care? Can they afford their medications, safety risks, driving risks, future falls? future spontaneous fractures, etc. Urinary tract infections, vaginal cancers, uterine cervical cancers, I mean uterine and cervical cancers, or even ovarian cancers, are not uncommon in the elderly. In fact, um, I have encountered and I have um, taken care of such in my career as a geriatric specialist. Uh, and some of them have been treated successfully, and some of them unfortunately ended up in hospice care and passed away. In fact, a UTI or a urinary tract infection leading to delirium, dementia is not so surprising in geriatric medicine. And this urinary infection could be because of the 
hormonal imbalances in the elderly. Since poor sexual health can affect the genital system, including the urinary, urinary tract system. Lastly, sexual health is not just about sex. Even when one is dying, hygiene and comfort are also of utmost importance, since dignity is what we must provide everyone with at their end of life. What happens to sexual activity in the elderly? Do aging-related physical changes lead to a decline in sexual functioning? Interesting topic. Um, sexual activity in the elderly does not decline in most. In fact, some elderly are more sexually active than ever. And I have heard this from my own patients, and they have confided in me that that's what um, lets their love and marriage uh, be so strong, sometimes for more than 60 years. Uh, on an average, some people may think it's not, but it's the contrary. Now, if we were to ask about what kind of sexual activity our elderly can be placed in a spectrum. For example, I once had an elderly woman uh, um, bedbound on hospice care, and her husband told me he slept uh, right beside her, holding her hands all night long and caring for her in the daytime. Um, and it was the most romantic thing he had done. And uh, that's how he felt his spouse also felt. Uh, this may not sound appropriate or even right to many who think they know what sexual health actually means to all generations. But here we had a loving couple, still loving and being loved despite all odds. So I left that home call um, with a new sense of uh, gratitude that day, or grateful learning. For others who have found newfound freedom after divorce or separation or death of a spouse, which isn't contrary to what we think that everyone should be in mourning forever, ready to go out and mingle and have fun. Age is just a number. I, and I can assure everyone that if they only were to remove those blinders, they could see life with a new lens. Everyone is special and creativity in sexual health is nothing but mastery of their own innate senses. And, uh, you know, I have seen such things in my own career in the past um, career of decades. So this is something that's not new at all. Um, uh, and I think uh, there's uh, lots to change. So aging-related physical changes leading to a decline in sexual functioning. Mm, a great topic for a conversation. Um, yes, um, uh, there could be a decline. There could not be a decline in sexual functioning. Why yes? So if I may answer that yes question, here they are. Um, sexual functioning and sexuality and intimacy are not just physical, but also emotional bonding between two people. Confined to a wheelchair or bed is not the real restriction. It's the mindset, I believe, and the attitude that truly matters here. Physical impairments in an elderly can range from stroke, falls, fractures, instability, lack of balance, either cerebellar issues or um, due to proprioceptive issues or muscular issues or nerve issues, hearing and vision losses, or even inability to carry out one's activities of daily living and um, ideals, as we discussed in our 
inaugural episodes. You might want to check those out, definitely. Uh, sexual functioning does decline with menopause or with andropause, but not necessarily as I said before. We forgot to mention about male sexuality and virility, which is probably um, will be addressed in this podcast a little later, but, we, uh, but also um, is enough substance uh, for another entire episode, another day. Uh, comorbid um, conditions do affect sexual health directly. For example, diabetes or vascular problems, um, stroke, heart issues can cause erectile dysfunction or even andropause itself. Delaying the action itself, lack of libido in men, in women, lack of lubrication, vaginal dryness can cause dysperiunia, pain, um, pain during sexual activity, or even trigger trigonitis or lower urinary tract infections, um, which can perhaps lead to delirium, worsen dementia, and so on. So it's kind of a very vicious cycle, and we need to find the tangent to get out of it. Lastly, urinary and stool incontinence can also be a factor in intimacy due to many real reasons, as you can understand. There are so many more we can explore, but remembering the direct and indirect effects of any disease or any infection or anything do hurt sexual health, and sexual health being the gateway to one's general health most of the time, as I mentioned previously. Well-being is not just mental health, and well-being is also not just sexual health. Um, or financial health, but uh, well-being is also, uh, you know, part of sexual health, not entirely sexual health. For sexual health is usually a holistic health. That means it is mind, body, and soul. So it includes uh, medicine and psychiatry together. And so hence we call it biopsychosocial economic health. Well, if the the answer is no for that question you asked, Ruthie, we just addressed as yes, then as you can see, sexual functioning can be relatable to something both ways, positive or negative. Since humans are creative and think um, or rethink situations in different ways, nothing can stop someone from receiving sexual health or enjoying the sexual functioning. I would suggest for everyone to look at this from their own objectivity and subjectivity and dwell on that and change as changes come through. But be mindful that aging is aging healthy and living healthy and dying healthy for living or surviving or thriving are not the same. What are some potential barriers concerning sexuality in older age? A prime thing to chat about, Shruti, since we ourselves have lived our lives in different contexts, beliefs, you know, purposes, values, cultures, norms, um, traditions, and so on. Potential barriers can be anything um, concerning sexuality in older age. And it's uh, usually can be predetermined or determined in various ways. I usually think it in terms of three terms. One's pre-sexual life or upbringing could be childhood, could be teenage, could be early adulthood. Sexually active stage um, and aging in sexuality all encompassed um, within being and elderly. So an older adult may have grown up understanding sexuality as something to not talk about or taboo or being to be avoidant. And for those aged looking for looking at life's values and purposes when they themselves grow older, 
is reliving their past in the present and preventing or not preventing them from believing in the future that's yet to come. So you see, a past experience can affect someone for life. Hence, parenting, I believe, is critical in sexual health and sexuality. Sending a wrong, wrong signal can be harmful in so many ways, including the mammoth world of our minds, brains, and our mental health. And of course, now you can add on social media to it as well. Uh, experiences during a sexual life as a young adult or teenage years, which come with their own terms, conditions, um, can be very, very challenging. And since a teenage mind is still growing, very um, fragile, um, very um, simple and not complicated. Um, uh, and so since most do not have or get the guidance they need. Since sexuality is something that's not openly talked about anywhere, except teaching our girls about menstruation in school systems. So continuing harmful uh, teenage um, behaviors during adulthood and into old age can result sometimes in so much ill health. In general, since uh, sexual health is related to the whole person. So sexuality, the need to conform to groups, gangs, and so on, can also have a lifelong detrimental effect on them, especially you know teenagers or early adults or young adults. As they grow older, have a family of their own, and someday become our own aged populations. So violence, abuse of all kinds is generally ingrained in, in them through these uh, decades. Um, and even addictions, and most addictions include poor sexual knowledge or health or even conditioning. Pride, ego, masochism is also a part of sexuality and sexual health uh, because it includes power and control uh, over a woman, for example. And um, having seen so many personalities in my geriatric career, I could say most could be traced back to their childhood or teen or young adult years. There's a lot of pain and suffering in this world of sexual health and sexuality. And the chief reason why um, not healing this part of our brain means we never healed at all. Sexuality in adulthood uh, with its own ups and downs, stressors of raising a family can vary. And if they include changes in careers, spouses, partners, separations, job transfers, travel, etc. Our elderly are sometimes haunted by those. And sometimes they have found new ways to cope or maybe reminisce or hope or even have the freedom to live their own lives. So recollecting one of my elderly patients who one day was inconsolable and when asked, and this is a real scenario that happened less than a decade uh, ago. Uh, since she felt very connected to me, she kind of opened up and outpoured her emotions, letting me know how she felt every time she saw an elderly couple together since her own marriage had been in rocks, ever since she found out her past husband had an affair. She said to me, I had faith in myself and him, and I forgave him and um, cared for him until his last breath and took care of him during hospice. But inside me, I was never the same. I did this because I was a homemaker, and in the 50s, 1950s, and 1960s, we were just supposed to do that. So I never got to do the things um, or be loved or enjoy and sacrificed everything um, 
So now life is really lonely for me, even if I have now the opportunity. So these words probably speak for many here who are listening to this podcast episode. And in just a few sentences, I had understood her sense of sexuality and sexual indifferences, sexual health, and so much more. It was like an annual visit, short but compelling, yet comprehensive. So barriers can be emotional, mental, physical, financial, cultural, religious, psychological, biological, social, and so on. Thank you for sharing that. Um, but what are some coping mechanisms or strategies that you would suggest to handle this situation? Very insightful question, Shruti, but also a very delicate topic. Because some things, um, you know, we may forget to question or answer in this episode of the podcast. Um, probably are in demand. Coping mechanisms or strategies are usually tools that we create, co-create, learn, change, modify, remodel, repurpose, reuse, build, magnify, glorify, and so on. So I know I use a lot of adjectives here. But um, here are some pointers for anyone listening. Keep an open mindset or a growth mindset. The past does not define us as individuals or as family members or as a community. So even if you had grown up in the 50s or 60s or even, you know, uh, in the latest decade, as Alfred Lord uh, Tennyson, uh, one of his quotes, which is one of my favorites, is, the old order changeth, yielding place to new. Help, her, help your elderly get the best sexual health care. Life is not defined by, by our age. And there's potential in preventative medicine as longevity is not determined by man, nor is life in general. So preventing uh, someone from getting health care because of age is, um, is absolutely not acceptable especially we are in the 21st century. Be mindful of what you say or do as actions cannot be reversed. Um, and of course, we, as we know, as every action has an equal or opposite reaction. Demeaning an elderly because of their sexual health or interest or sexuality, which also includes gender biases, which we will cover in our future podcasts episode, is detrimental to all. It's a rule effect or domino effect, I call, or for the current and also the future generations to come. Because each and every one of us is setting an example for the future. Value in real relationships form bonds and close societal structures. So you can grow and be supported by like-minded people and ones who will embrace you, you know, uh, for who you are, whether it be your sexual orientation, sexual sexuality, sexual outlook, uh, sexual questioning, um, or even as you uh, become a pivotal sexual health advocate yourself, reinvent yourself, let go of old beliefs that chain you to nowhere. Let your children and grandchildren blossom to their full potential by restricting them or superimposing our sexual health thoughts. We're not helping anyone, instead creating more mental health anguish in this world. There is a thought process for why each of us looks at sexual health differently in one way or the other. Some out of fear, some out of lack of skills, knowledge, or some due to simply being arrogant. Um, 
or maybe some because they're they want to be responsible yes precautionary measures are always cool and hip and in style 17 or 75 for one wrong move can change the course of one's life for the rest of their lives being present um sexual health is also about you know being present means that you care about yourself love yourself like yourself and are not afraid to present yourself to the world your true authentic self it's also best to understand that sexual health is a very wide topic and it does not just it's not about um sex per se so uh, and it does not necessarily mean sexual gratification like i just mentioned uh we discussed quite a few today and the rest is for your imagination until our future episodes when we can relook at this and i hope um uh you can take this as you go along um starting right now right today you have answered that question so beautifully so my next question would be which aspects of sexual health are likely to change as you age and how can elderly adapt yeah this is a hip question um since 3.1 billion people will be aged or elderly or older adults in the coming decades or more and i believe the more we chat the more questions we will have coming from our own selves so here they are uh, i'm going to pose a few uh, aspects of sexual health that are likely to change as you age or we age uh, women's health will be affected in many ways vaginal lubrication decreases orgasms become less intense increased risk of urinary tract infections incontinence of urine can affect directly or indirectly lack of libido pelvic pains dyspareunia or painful acts many of the sexual disorders under the psychiatry field may surface including sexual anxiety sexual inhibition safe sex is always key physician checkups are key and uh, communication is key your mental health is key sexuality is key health is key so basically um adaptation includes all these keys pleasure and interest may remain the same in many but a decrease in that may warn of underlying medical or even mental health issues as we dis- discussed previously in men's health sexuality is usually about power control ability to create progeny but it can be misunderstood coming through as passive or aggressiveness you know it's all cultural beliefs um many men are also prone to hormonal changes uh some you know are very sexually active right until their old age or right until they pass away but others do suffer from erectile dysfunctions and um and many of them also come under the spectrum of psychiatry the reason is become it becomes more of a psychological issue than a physical bodily issue also men's sexual response may slow down decline completely in many cases however sexual drive is predetermined by underlying comorbidities like for example diabetic patients with sexual issues uh attitude towards sex and intimacy are governed by vastly things we shared earlier in this episode and not necessarily by age for both men and women so however 
how sex life or sex changes with aging is absolutely very personal. Uh, hence, one solution may not be the right for the other. So adaptation could be different for each other. Uh, also between genders, um, LGBTQ, etc. Sexual health continues to change throughout one's life, sometimes marred by diseases, infections, cancers, accidents, stressors, addictions like alcohol, tobacco, drugs. So many of the examples mentioned have multifactorial reasons. Adaptation, um, or I must say adaption to sexual health means sometimes starting with health education or sexual health education, I say, since sexual health is still not considered priority everywhere in the world. Um, from you know genital mutilation of girls to force feeding of girls, no woman or man is safe without empowerment or education. While we talk about technology and during this very podcast, millions of women will be raped, belittled, humiliated, denied, locked up, chained without a voice or a choice. From the forced marriages to sexual abuse of elderly, our world is yet to see or even solve some major hurdles in sexual health. Sexual health is not losing one's identity, but embracing it with dignity, poise, and savviness. Hope this speaks to someone's heart today. And while you become empowered, please, please feel free to share this special dedicated podcast with someone who might just be looking for some support and to know that there are people out there that feel them and they are there for them. So thank you. Thank you for saying all that you just said. Um, so testosterone plays an important role in a man's sexual experience. Could you mention some points about aging and uh, men's sexual health? Yeah, sure. Testosterone does play an integral role in male sexual health. Testosterone does decline with aging and hence affects the sex drive and performance. And testosterone also is responsible for male libido. As it's that sex hormone in males, that sex hormone, or the sex hormone. Though both males and females both have testosterone in their chemical composition, the levels are what helps uh, make a male or a male be. So as they decline, starting the age of 40 and above, it does become an issue in males. In my career as a physician, I had elderly males, some in their 80s who were concerned about this, and some were absolutely not concerned and actually seemed disinterested. Now, how this affects humans is very varied. Since medications, medical underlying health conditions, and diseases ranging from heart, lungs, liver, brain, kidneys, cancers, cancer treatments, um, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, vascular issues can also affect sexual health in males. Intimacy in elderly should be respected and healthcare professionals must be more open to asking. Screening our elderly with questions at least once a year during an annual visit or what we call an annual exam or a comprehensive geriatric exam and maybe periodically uh, here, now and then, if need be, in conditions like I mentioned previously, when you are 
when somebody is suspecting or the health professional is suspecting something is amiss. That's a good point. So sometimes use, using intuition is critical um, in understanding more about a male sexual health and a female sexual health. As women approach uh, menopause, their estrogen levels decrease. Could you mention some points about aging and women's sexual health? Yeah, sure, Shruti. Uh, this is a good question. As males, females also experience uh, sexual health issues in varying degrees. So the problem here is that females are not asked or talked about um, or can talk about this very freely, you know, in our societies with anyone, everyone, or every older aged woman, maybe perhaps in their own family, community, neighborhood. So as the testosterone in males, females, estrogen levels also start declining after menopause. Many will start with premenopausal symptoms and many will continue during menopause and definitely all during postmenopausal period. Perimon Perimenopausal state of estrogen deficiency will or can create an issue in a woman's body from heart flashes, mood swings, declining libido, poor vaginal lubrication, uh, anxiety, um, to avoidance of sexual activity completely. So now this can be acceptable in certain cultures, but not in every culture. Estrogen deficiency can also severely affect other metabolisms. So osteoporosis, vertebral compression fractures are some of the many side effects. Primary and secondary causes of um, sexual issues is also um, uh, a part of the sexual health. It can lead to recurrent urinary tract infections, painful sexual activity, depression, weight gain, obesity, which can also further lead to many other conditions or issues. Sometimes um, something to note about is the length of the menopause. Now, since some of the elderly, uh, perhaps in the 70s or 80s, may have had tumors removed, ovaries removed, undergone premature menopause, as early as 20s, 30s, or 40s due to premature ovarian failure, genetic disorders, have concomitant thyroid disorders also, or are anorexic, or due to excessively exercising. Um, remembering that, you know, the length of the um, uh, sexual health is important, like, like I mentioned about 10 years versus 30 years, 40 years uh, can, um, you know, uh, lead to more problems and um, should be actually treated uh, differently as well. Um, reminds me why sexual health visits can be an opener to other issues. So, yeah, versus the annual health visits. There are also other endocrine issues, surgery, etc., medications which can also affect hormonal levels. Now, this length of the menopause may or may not have been supplemented with hormonal therapy to combat hot flashes to dryness of the vagina. And hence, the context of time is something we cannot forget. For others who did not go through all these premature conditions that I just mentioned, 
this might be a different story. Nevertheless, the burdens of sexual health can affect one's mentation, physical activity, bonding, nutrition, and overall well-being. So sexual health is part of wellness health. Do medications also inhibit your sexual response? Yes, they do. Definitely, Shruti. Every medication has some side effects, even if the pharmacist were to tell you that it has none or the labels tell you it has none. Um, just may not be so pronounced in some versus the other. So in geriatric medicine, we follow the Beers criteria and having a drug overview with a pharmacist or even a doctor at every visit is highly recommended and should be carried out without fail. Duplication of medications, skipping of medications, wrong prescribing, wrong dosage of medications, or errors during this drug dispensing uh, can affect sexual response acutely, chronically, or acute on chronic. Some of the notorious ones are antidepressants, cardiac prescriptions, tamsulosin, clonidine, cimetidine, amitriptyline, buspirone. Others include alcohol, drugs, hardcore like cocaine, morphine, stimulants, hallucinogens. Um, they do affect sexual health. And as we will talk about in future episodes, uh, drug addiction is not uncommon in elderly. So be aware of recreational drugs, including marijuana, that has been legalized and continues to be done so in many countries of the world. There is very little research with marijuana in a teen's brain or in a geriatric brain at present. So to clear them from harm in the long run. And same also is applicable to all other drugs out there. So binge drinking coming to alcoholism, which is not irrelevant to the elderly, is something to think about. Since age here is not a factor, medications over-the-counter or over-the-counter like anticholinergics or sleep medications like Benadryl or anti-H medications uh, or medications that people use for, um, you know, um, sexual health maybe itself over-the-counter. They can all affect sexual response directly. Anti-seizure medications, birth control pills, cholesterol-lowering medications, heart medications, um, like statins, uh, antipsychotics for underlying psychiatric disorders can cause similar problems. Caution here is to always be on guard. Even if the drugs used to enhance erectile dysfunction or improve erectile function, as we call, can also have side effects. For example, I, I know of a patient in the past a person who was in Viagra who ended up getting priapism or indefinite uh, erection and had to go to the hospital um, because it was a it was an emergency for him. Uh, in aging, medications play a big role, yet we have so much to work on. So my next question is something that um, I think it needs to be addressed and it needs to be understood. Um, so how to deal with differences in desire as differences in libidos are common among couples of all ages? 
Yeah, very relevant in our times, dealing with the differences in desire as differences in libidos is something I'm glad you brought up today. Uh, here are some of my experiences, my um, medical career previously, and may not relate with every elderly or partner of the elderly. Knowing what is important to you um, is very important. What are uh, people actually truly seeking here? Is this a communication issue or is it a sexual issue or is it a medical issue, physical issue? Because uh, sexuality and libido has to do a lot with uh, communications because through communications, one can find out the real problem or underlying issue. Educating oneself about healthy aging and what is and what isn't since we all cannot feel or desire or even ask for the same. Uh, you know, everyone's genetic makeup is different. We are all different DNA. And so, you know, sexual health is as well. So understanding what comes with different ages is very critical. Since couples always are not of the same age, and even so, you know, uh, our genes prohibits us from being the same. Open dialogue with one's physician is also important. And sometimes the most private place to have these private conversations. And many people don't take advantage of this. Either the patients are not open to this or feel inhibited in some way, or they're pressured not to open up to their physicians by their family or society or community or friends or neighbors, or even if the healthcare professional is not open to such and has a close-minded attitude. Um, I can wholly testify that it helped me unearth many things in my elderly patients in my past career. And I got to learn them very intimately. So to the point that um, these questions actually led me to diagnose them with real uh, uh, issues like other problems in other organs of their body. Um, goal setting is very valuable. It might even include uh, keeping track of one's blood sugar levels or visits to a cardiologist for post-cardiac surgery visits and so on. So basically what I'm saying is even uh, surgery, uh, post-surgery, post-recuperation, post-rehab um, is all critical uh, and a part of the sexual health history too. So goal setting is critical as to the time frame, you know, is important. So remembering that it takes longer for an aged body to recover from an endless surgery therapy for cancer and so on. So patience is very valuable here. And justifying love and affection through other means is as much a bonding as is sexually. Bringing joy to a relationship calls beyond sexual libidos. But for many an elderly feeling um, loved by simply holding hands or kissing, feel special all over again when they have outgrown the abilities to be physically intimate. Coming to terms also means being more creative, subtle or simple. So keeping it simple, open, honest is important for agents, mental health and peace. Since sexual health is absolutely a part of mental health. I would like to thank you for sharing all that you have been sharing in this episode and even in the past episodes. Um, so to end this episode, I would just like to ask you, is there any other information that you would like to share with our listeners?
Hmm. Thinking about this, I would like to add that this episode on aging and sexual health could be difficult for some, may bring up negative thoughts or memories. Um, we apologize at Mahiga if it caused any such emotions. This is our earnest way of delivering something in geriatric medicine, uh, which is very valuable for every one of us. Since we will age and continue to age until our end of life. Appreciate your support and inspiration. We could not have done this without the strength we gain from all of you anywhere in this world. Thank you for inspiring us unconditionally. I would like to thank you once again for doing these episodes, for sharing all the knowledge and information. And yeah, recording these episodes because they are going to be on all the platforms for as long as possible. And I'm sure that somebody somewhere in this world at some point of time will listen to this. And yes, these episodes, uh, the ones that we are recording in the month of January 2022 and specifically mentioning, mentioning the year and the month because, yeah, we don't know who might listen to this when. So thank you so much, Dr. Purnima. And uh, to all our dear listeners, if you want to discuss any of the topics, if you want us to discuss any of the topics or address any of your queries, please get in touch with us on one of our social media platforms and we would certainly create an episode to address those. And this line that I just said, it is going to be valid for as long as possible. So whenever you listen to this episode and you want to ask a question, just get in touch with us. You can check out our website at www.myhiga.com, www.mihygge.com. Myhiga is M as Mary, I as in India, H as in Harry, Y as in Young, G as in Gold, G as in Gold, E as in Elephant.com. At present, we are open to senior living and care providers onboarding demos and help is available 24 seven. We are also onboarding senior living and cares. So check out our product and website regularly to find the best senior living and care in your place. Uh, happy to help all answer all your questions. Always. Your win is our win. We are here for a win win for all. Everyone in this journey of aging and caregiving and listening to this podcast is a hero. Also, we are adding more members to our team. We are growing. Don't forget to check our careers section. And if you think you are right fit, send us an email and we'll be there to respond. Our email is contact at mahiga.com and we are looking forward to hearing from you in the form of questions, reviews and a lot more. Here's wishing all our listeners health, wealth and mahiga. We look forward to connecting once again with a new episode on flu season. Thank you all for listening. We are grateful you joined us in our pursuit to celebrate aging globally with MyHiga. You can explore our blogs. They are free to read and 
easily available on our website www.myhiga.com. Sign up for our special Discover Senior Living with MyHiga newsletter for exclusive content which also includes some amazing recipes, tips and facts. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Amazon Music. As what you hear on the podcast is all exclusive content where we pour all our love and emotions. Thanking our wonderful production team, the people that make it happen. We love hearing your comments, your thoughts, so keep them coming. Goodbye from our studios in New Delhi.